September 9th, 2023. And we'll start off with the, um, the, with the Pledge of Allegiance. That, so I know Vice, Vice uh, President Sonaris uh, is gonna lead us in the pledge. Okay, thank you. Uh, we'll have the roll call, please. Yes, good evening. Um, Board Member Ruiz. Here. Here. Uh, thank you. Board Member Saheba. Present. Board Member Cisneros. Present. Uh, Board Member Hum. Present. And then we have a Board Member Teague. Present in Sierra City, as indicated on the agenda. The agenda is posted on the door. Uh, and anyone is welcome to join me. Okay, thank you. Um, board member Curtis uh, has an excused absent and board member Ariza seems to be running late. Okay, okay. Well, we do have a quorum including with uh, board member Teague offsite so we can uh, begin the meeting. So at this point, are there any agenda changes? If none, we'll go on to um, non-agenda public comments. This is an opportunity for anyone uh, to speak for three minutes regarding any item that's not on the agenda. Uh, staff, do we have any speakers? Yes, we have one hand raised. Uh, Shelby Sheehan on Zoom. Hi there. Hello. Hi, I'm speaking tonight because um, I've actually been speaking a lot lately at City Council and at the Historic Advisory Board meeting, and I'm hoping that um, I can speak here and, and illustrate some of the things that I'm concerned about uh, with the Planning Department's recent actions with regard to uh, conformance with zoning, use permits, and land use plans. Uh, tonight, I would like to make the Planning Board aware of several uh, recent city actions that I believe are improper and negatively impact appropriate land use in Alameda. I'm hoping there will be more oversight of the process, uh, which in my opinion is sorely lacking right now. So um, I, I have a, a public comment on the next item, but um, none of these items that I'm gonna talk about right now have been heard by the board, but they have been recently approved or being implemented currently. And I believe it's under the planning board's purview to review them. So the first thing is the uh, historic district fences on the Navy base. Uh, there's been uh, an illegal proliferation, I'll say, of tall chain link black screened fences throughout the historic district. Most no notably, there are, a, there are um, construction fencing, tall construction fencing that is blocking the views along Hangar Row from West Tower to Seaplane Lagoon. This is a protected corridor. And none of these um, none of these fences have proper permits. None of them have been before the historical advisory board for um, uh, approval, certificates of approval. And uh, as you know, the vistas are one of the major character defining uh, protected public amenities of the historic district, especially south to Seaplane Lagoon and west to San Francisco. Um, also, additional. Additionally, integral to the historic district design is the spatial arrangements of buildings in a manner that preserves open spaces and all the land use plans and all the local land use regulations protect these views. Um, and then in most cases, the fences enclose the entire parcel, even though the square footage that the tenant is paying for is only for a shared portion of the exterior land on land that should not be fenced or screened and the type and amount and uh, outdoor storage is incompatible. And even the Natel hangar on Monarch continues to add more equipment and it looks like a junkyard out there. Then just last week, uh, a chain link fence went on around the Oak Club, uh, around a parking lot here. And I'm running out of time, but there's a, the food bank parcel lease was um, approved on a, on a non, as a non-conforming use and that's just not factually correct. And it was erroneously given to um, 
all good living when it should be given back to the uh, park, and they were never even consulted about that. The third thing is the Historic Advisory Board does not receive any of these um, permits that they need to be receiving. They're withheld from them, so that's an improper use as well. Um, I could go on, but I'm out of time, but I do request that you put these items on your agenda, and uh, if you do, I recommend that you demand to see any original. Thank you for your comments, and I assume staff Thanks for bringing it to our attention. I assume staff will will confer with the speaker to maybe answer any questions. And if there's any items that does require the planning board's attention, you would bring it to our attention? Yes. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, on to the consent calendar. And we have uh, only item on the consent calendar are the draft meeting minutes of September 11th, 2023. Any? I move to approve the consent calendar. Okay. Move from uh, by board member Ruiz. I'll second. And seconded by um, assistant director, I guess. Or no. no, vice president. <laughs> That's the term, vice president scenario. I know, <laughs> really. Um, let's see, okay, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Four aye. ayes, and um, board member Teague, or I assume you abstain. You abstain, okay. So we have four approval, one abstention. So the board minutes are approved. Oh, okay. I recall we didn't need to. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh, do we have to do a roll call because? Since we have someone remote, we should do a roll call for oh, all okay. votes tonight. Okay, all right, yes. fine. Uh, staff, roll call please. Board member Ruiz. Aye. Board Member Saheba? Aye. Board Member Cisneros? Aye. Board Member Teague? I abstain. And President Hom? Aye. That passes 401. Okay. All right. Thank you for the reminder. So we're on to the regular agenda item, and we only have uh, one item tonight, and is a, a work session, so no board decision tonight is a work session on, on comprehensive updates to the city's subdivision ordinance and condominium conversion ordinance. So staff presentation, please. Let's see. Sorry, uh, Brian, could you go to the first slide? Oh, there we go. Thank you, good evening. Um, I'm Steve Buckley, the Planning Services Manager, and uh, I'll be presenting this item tonight. Uh, this is a discussion item, um, and we'll be coming back to you in a while uh, with some revisions based on your feedback and other feedback we may get in the meantime. And uh, then uh, we'll be asking you to make a recommendation to the City Council. Uh, but for tonight, um, I've just provided um, a draft of uh, some revisions to the subdivision ordinance and the condominium conversion ordinance. Um, the subdivision ordinance is actually getting a pretty thorough uh, going over, so I didn't provide you a, a red line and strikeout version just because I think that would be kind of confusing since basically the old ordinance is just going away and the new ordinance would replace it. Um, it really sort of brings this ordinance up to date in terms of uh, state law, current practice, um, and um, so it's uh, it's actually a draft that uh, was prepared a little while ago by uh, Mr. Tai, um, and I've sort of taken it to the, the next step just to um, bring it to you tonight. Um, the purpose of the revisions is to um, in part implement the housing element where uh, we committed to facilitate the approval process for uh, affordable housing by creating certain lots that are suited to that kind of development. It's one of the mandates in, in the housing element. Um, and also just generally to streamline the review and, and remove barriers to housing. Um, and so that can mean time, money, um, and parcel sizes can, I think, influence um, property costs to uh, development or phasing or other things that can um, interfere in, in housing development. Um, it's also just good practice to have an ordinance that's, that's more functional. 
Um, so what we've done is uh, looked at the application requirements, the decision-making process of, of who makes what decisions and who hears appeals. Uh, also facilitating lot splits because the law now um, under SB 9 and other uh, ordinances requires that we facilitate those lot splits. Uh, and then the condominium conversions that I mentioned. So we're looking at the totality of the Subdivision Map Act, the housing element, the general plan and the zoning, um, and just general streamlining such as the Housing Accountability Act and others. So um, we're really, like I said, kind of taking a wholesale approach to this whole ordinance. Uh, what that means is there's actually a lot of changes. And so this is a list of, of those features. Um, it's uh, primarily aligning with the Subdivision Map Act, which establishes a number of different procedures for small subdivisions, which are parcel maps, larger subdivisions, which are tentative maps. Uh, tentative maps require a final map, which is where um, different um, improvements are completed and uh, dedications are offered to the city and things like that. Um, and then there's um, lot line adjustments and uh, reversion to acreage and all kinds of other things in the MAP Act that govern how land is uh, divided or uh, realigned um, in terms of, say, uh, dedicating a, a street um, or a park or things like, or a trail, things like that um, as well. So um, also just uh, looking at some of the definitions and some of the um, submittal requirements in particular, um, the planning department and um, the public works department work together on these maps. Um, you know, we have a city engineer and a surveyor who are involved on the, the technical issues and then we have the planning department that's involved in looking at lot sizes and configurations and, and public amenities. So um, we're sort of also spelling out some of those responsibilities a little bit more clearly. Um, there's a number of technical things that have to be on the maps, um, various statements from the surveyor or um, you know, the county clerk and, and other people that weigh in on the final maps um, to um, record them and make them official. And um, one of the main things is kind of delegating some of the decision making to the planning director um, or the uh, city engineer. So, uh, you know, this streamlining that I mentioned is really important. And, and right now, all of the maps, even the small subdivisions and, and minor changes to land boundaries have to go through uh, the planning board and then the city council. And it really adds expense and time in ways that don't seem to really accomplish very much. And in fact, maybe sort of, you know, contrary to law now that we have ministerial approvals for some of these things. And so we had to create that ministerial process um, to comply with the law. Um, the second column <laughs> uh, outlines a bunch of other things in terms of design standards and findings and um, different um, improvement agreements and bonding for security. Um, so I think um, all of those things really um, just kind of flesh out the ordinance in a way that um, helps everyone understand what to expect. And, and um, then I guess finally is the condominium conversion process. And um, so what we've, what we've done is created um, kind of two processes. There's the condominium conversions for new development where say a building is developed and you've seen it, the city council's seen it, you know, there's, there's a building permit underway and they want to uh, make it into a condominium building so that they have the option of either renting it now or selling it now or maybe selling it later as individual units for ownership. And so um, that process again now requires, it comes back to you and goes to city council. And really everyone's kind of already decided that this building, this site plan, this development is fine. And so the condominium conversion really feels like that should be almost ministerial as well. You know, that it's, it's just a matter of, is it rental or it is, is it ownership? There isn't really very much more to talk about. And so uh, we've kind of created a process for that kind of planning director level approval for those 
projects that we know conform to zoning, all the dedications are done, there's nothing more to talk about, versus maybe a condominium conversion of an older building where there is something to talk about in terms of, well, is this, is this building really up to snuff? You know, should we ask for some sort of improvements, maybe bringing things up to code or you know, making some site improvements? So that kind of project where it's not fully conforming um, would still come back to you with some of these improvement plans to um, just show that the condominium conversion won't be sticking, you know, the new owners with, with, you know, a burden rather than a benefit. We want these condominiums to actually, you know, help people build equity, and and um, so we want to make sure that those those projects are done right. Let's see. Uh oh, my clicker's gone bad. There we go. So. Um, this doesn't look quite so well in, uh, in PDF, but uh, it's, it's fine, it's fine. Basically, this is a table of all the different application types on the left column. Um, parcel maps, like I said, the small ones, tentative maps are the bigger ones, condo maps, uh, final maps, and all the other kinds of things that you can do under subdivision ordinance, uh, lot splits, um, corrections, waivers. Um, and so what we've tried to do is, like I said, shift some of those decision-making uh, roles over to the planning director and the city engineer in a way that um, facilitates the streamlining. And so um, there would still be appeals to the planning board um, for uh, different maps, um, and also to the city council would have, always still have the option to call these maps up for review, or they would still actually make decisions because under the law, final maps have to go to the city council because they're accepting improvements, they're accepting dedications, and so that's a, that's a real estate transaction that the city council needs to be involved in. And then also a reversion to acreage, it's just a fluke of the law, it says they have to go to the city council. Um, so we're keeping that in. Um, so that's, that's kind of w how we see that kind of playing out is a, a lot of those decisions are now delegated. And so with that, um, I'm open to any questions. Um, we can take some public comment and then um, look for your recommendation so that I can go back and make any further edits. Thank you, staff. Uh, since, since this is a, a study session and no decision, uh, I'd like to kind of first offer up if anyone had any, any speakers, any public comments on this item, we'll hear those first. And then we'll get into board questions and comments. Any speakers? Yes, President Hom. We have one speaker raising their hand on Zoom, uh, Shelby Sheehan. Okay. Hi again. Uh, so uh, it's fortuitous that you're doing this tonight. Well, I, I wanted to address this other thing because um, I do oppose any streamlining because I found it to actually be code for reducing public input on a project and the planning director already has too much authority and we don't, when the public does have input, we don't end up getting any answers to our questions and it's put on consent calendar and it's gone before we know it. For example, um, uh, CEQA streamlining is often overused and by the time we have a public to look at it, it's too late. Many of the plans in the housing element violate the local land use plans and the zoning ordinance. And even though I've submitted comments, they're nev they've never been addressed. For example, uh, the various changes and increases in housing units to be built at site A, uh, Reshape, and West Midway that were made because of the housing element plans should never have been approved because they require a change to the specific plans themselves and also the zoning ordinance. They exceed what was allowed by the Alameda Point EIR and that is the ruling environmental uh, document, yet nonetheless it was streamlined and these were approved by city council. So uh, there's also like I've been talking about these use permits and these fences that are approved with no oversight and the, author and the authority is only by the planning department most of these are city projects. They're, the city is the lead agency. The city is the uh, proponent. The city is a beneficiary. 
and the city administers the permits. So I just think that's an overreach and there's not enough oversight and anything that diminishes that is a very bad idea. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Um, any other public comments? Okay, maybe before I open up to board questions and comments, maybe just to clarify or address the public comment. Uh, my understanding is that the proposed amendments for streamlining the subdivision map process does not at all affect the approval process for any rezonings, use permit, or defilement permits that are required for a project? That's correct. It's a separate uh, approval process. Okay. Okay. Just want to uh, clarify that for the record. Uh, any, um, at this point, comments, questions from board members? Uh, board member Ruiz. Um, oh. and, and then board member Teague. Thank you, Mr. Buckley, for bringing this to our attention so we can review. Um, just a few questions that I have. One is, um, under the subdivision ordinance, are we asking the the applicants to also um, clean up any kind of abandoned easement? Because sometimes we get a title report and there's abandoned easements, or a surveyor will come up with this say there's an easement, but we, we don't really know what the purpose is. There's a record of it. So are we? Is there a process we ask them to clean all this up before they submit for a submit subdivision map? Yeah, that would normally be. I think the the city engineer and surveyor would um, go through those and, and kind of sort through what we need and, and what should be um, dealt with through whatever mechanism that is, yeah. Okay, and then um, in terms of the condo conversion, um, is this also intended for office to resi conversion or is just um, rental to condo? Um, no. I. Well, most commercial condos are uh, not really, you know, reviewed by the city um, because they're more of a lease arrangement. But um, I think, yes, in terms of a residential conversion, then, yeah, it would come to us. So this is not intended for, for example, if somebody decided to purchase an underutilized office, office building, as you're seeing a lot on the news for in San Francisco, mm -hmm. and convert that to residential and condominize that, uh, condominiumize that mm -hmm. this ordinance would not apply? Is that what you're oh, saying? No, it would apply. It would, it would apply okay. in the residential Conversion, conversion portion. That's right. that's what I'm mm -hmm. trying to figure out. Okay, mm -hmm. and then um, are we have we addressed um, in any kind of um, working with the existing building? We under the building code, there's existing building code exemptions in terms of structure and other type of requirements. Um, and I'm seeing here in the verbiage we ask for bringing everything up to current code, and I don't know if that's going to be in conflict with the existing building code. So I will ask you to evaluate that in the next version. For example, mm -hmm. under 30-8.2 um, um, bullet point B, it says mm -hmm. all current state local structure safety utility codes. There's also usually a threshold when it cross and that you need to be bringing up to current code. So I just want to make sure that this is not in conflict with the threshold for existing building code. Yeah, so I can, I can clarify that. So okay. there's um, two kinds of conversions that I mentioned. So the 8.2 is for those new construction buildings where we know everything's current, recently approved, under construction, those sorts of, of newer conversions, versus 8.3 is really meant to address those older buildings where they need to bring it up to some level of basic life safety and comfort kind of standards. So that's where we go into B, if you look at 30-8.3, little b, yeah. it says, a, in those cases, they need to submit a plan showing how they're going to make improvements to bring it up to something uh, in terms of, like, applicable codes. Okay, so, so first of all, I appreciate the clarification, but that's not what is stated in 
in 30.2.8.2 on the under the first paragraph, it just says conversion of existing residential units, mm -hmm. but it didn't say newly constructed. So there is a confusion there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I would like to see that clarified in that. Um, sure. I, yeah, I, can, I would I just can ask see. you to review that, and also secondly, under. Um, 30-8.3, um, letter B, the applicant has submitted a plan showing all feasible means of making structural grounds utility conformed to current codes and statutes. I guess you can argue if the existing codes giving you exemptions that that would apply. But I just, I don't think this is really clear. So we should work mm -hmm. on the verbiage on that. Mm -hmm. And then um, lastly, um, hang on, sorry. I have more, sorry about that, um, mm -hmm. spoke too soon. Um, on the same subparagraph, um, I think letter C, it says subdivider shall, subdivider shall submit a plan describing proposed energy savings, et cetera, et cetera. So are we just submitting the plan or are we asking them to upgrade? You know, you can submit a plan, but I can plan all I want. <laughs> Is it gonna be? <laughs> reviewed or approved, what does that mean? I, I would like to see a little clarity and make sure that it's an also, it's a reasonable and not too onerous. Um, and other question is why did we, why did we delete 30.8.7? Um, and then um, that's regarding critical ratio, just wanted to know the reason on that. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, in terms of fees, yes, those fees will be set by um, city council via resolution, but we should also have a schedule. So that is clear to the applicant what that looks like. Um, that's all I have. Oh, oh one more thing, let's see. Um, on the table that you showed last, my question was that under the T-map, um, where it says is recommendation by the planning director, recommendation by the city engineer, um, and planning board making the decision. Is it required that planning board make a decision or is this something that it can go to the planning director to make a T-map decision and the planning board be the appeal agency? That's just a question. Mm -hmm. I'll look into that again, um, but I believe that because the tentative map and the final map are appealable to city council that it would be appropriate for the planning board to be involved. Got it, thank you. On your questions? Yeah, that's thank it, you. thank you. Okay, <clears throat> next, uh, board member T, you have the stage. Thank you, uh, thank you uh, for the presentation. Uh, and I am very much in favor of things that streamline the development process and saves time. Um, these aren't going to be in order. So starting with the, the, the flow, the, the decision table, I would like whenever there's a, rec a decision made by the planning director that it is um, appealable or called for review by the planning board, similar to the way that we have recent actions that we can then call for review if we need to. And it sort of addresses a little bit of what the speaker was talking about, which I uh, unsubstantiated statements. Um, but in the case where a planning board member sees something on one of these, being able to call it for review uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, some of them, you know, we, we didn't do it in the past. It is the way it is. But on the, the new ones, we're removing the decisions down to the planning director. I think some of those should be looked at seriously for appeal slash call for review. And where we have appeal, I think we should have appeal slash call for review, not just the word appeal. Um, urban lot splits, that's the thing that I feel very strongly about. And, you know, we're restricting it to the R1 district and uh, why? Why, why can't you do a lot split in some other district? If it makes sense that there are multiple buildings and things could be done such that it could be smaller parcels, why would we not explore that? And 
I guess it's kind of a recommendation to let's explore that, please. Okay, thank you. Um, on pay on the condo conversion, uh, all of that is really makes a lot of sense. On thirty dot eight dot three, page one of four, the first paragraph. Uh, I I think there's something not right about the last sentence. The planning board shall deny the application, but we're talking about it being approved by the planning director. So mm -hmm. that just needs to be cleaned up to reflect whatever it is it's supposed to actually reflect. And then one last question is, uh, well, a request would be, normally I would like to see a red line of the existing ordinance with the proposed changes like was done for the condo, but wasn't done for the subdivision. Is it because it's so divergent, it would just be all struck out and then brand new? Essentially, yes, that's right. Okay, okay, thank you very much. This, you know, I again, streamlining the development process, saving time for developers, saves money, hopefully lowers cost of housing. Thank you very much. That's, that's it for my comments. Thank you. Thank you, Board Member Teague. Um, Vice President Zanaris. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the presentation. Um, just, uh, I guess, a couple of quick clarifying questions. Um, with the subdivision map, I was, uh, or all of it, I guess, um, more generally speaking, I'm, I'm curious, when is the building permit issue um, in that process? And then, uh, I feel like I should know this, but with the condo conversion, like I, uh, I appreciate um, Board Member Ruiz's question, and I was also looking to strike out and um, it mentions that tenants can obtain affordable housing either through purchase of a unit, blah, blah, blah. So um, this isn't assuming that the condo convergence would be for affordable um, necessarily, is like affordable or market rate. Um, it seems like the general goal or theme of the packet is to revisit our condo conversion ordinance and subdivision to encourage affordable housing, but um, whether that's affordable housing rental or ownership, but yeah, I, I could you just speak to that piece about um, uh, how this is, the condo conversion is being used for or not for below market rate. Mm -hmm. Let me start with that and then we'll go mm -hmm. back to the other one because I'm not quite clear on what you're asking, but mm -hmm. as far as, um, facilitating affordable housing. It's it's sort of, um, I think, both that um, facilitating um, faster development, um, it, it could reduce the cost to the developer, which could reduce the cost to the buyers, um, and certainly bring housing to market faster. So that's, that's one aspect of that statement. Um, and I think, Otherwise, um, yeah, the, the inclusionary requirements are the same. Um, and so there wouldn't really be a difference between how many affordable units are in the rental or in the for sale units, I don't believe, um, in most cases. And so, um, you know, unless there was a different uh, disposition agreement um, at the point or, you know, something like that. Um, so, and, and then the same process would apply if, if it were developed by an affordable housing developer, um, then that would sort of be moot. And so it would just be, you know, making that also that process easier. Okay, thank you. Um, that's helpful. Uh, and yeah, just to clarify my first question, um, the reason why I'm asking about when the building permit is issued, um, I, I wasn't sure if it's uh, issued like at the final map or at the tentative map part of the process. Um, because if it's like later on in the process, then it could delay the development of the project. So I was just curious. Yeah, so it can, it can happen at different times, depending on the way the developer has, has staged their project. But, um, so for instance, uh, the Del Monte project has um, done some you know, lot line adjustments to kind of create an extra little parcel for the 
affordable housing uh, component and then another parcel where they're coming back in for some townhomes. Um, and so they're gonna be creating larger, you know, development parcels, and then also within that, creating the townhomes, which will then be condominium maps. So there's sort of different stages where you may have a building permit underway, and then they want to convert it to condominium, or they may need to do the map first so that they can create a building site big enough for the building they want to build, you know? So merging and moving lines around can happen before the building permit, or during or after. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I think those are my two questions. Um, I think uh, I did want to bring up, like, you know, again, this theme about um, affordable housing in Alameda. Uh, there's a bill that went through the legislative session this year, AB 684, and when it comes to innovation with um, the the subdivision map act it it seems that like city of la and like this is a statewide bill there's an opportunity to encourage um the incentivizing of affordable home ownership mm -hmm. um, so it's just an interesting uh, theme for us to maybe revisit because it um yeah it, uh, I mean, i'm just curious if that's something that we might want to delve into at some point so those are all my questions and comments. Yeah, thank you. I, I, well, I, I will just comment on that. I think it's interesting, the evolution of you know the state law. Every year there's something new to respond to. Um, and I think going back to um, uh, you know other um, lot split ministerial approvals that I mentioned, um, I think we're going to have to probably include a section here that says, you know, and other projects that need to be ministerially approved will go through this parcel map waiver process um, so that we can accommodate those changes. So um, yeah, the small lots and um, and other things, lot splits uh, can, can happen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> Any other questions? Yeah. I, I just have. Uh, oh, I'm going to let uh, Board Member Sahiba uh, ask his questions first, and then then we'll return to Board Member Teague. Okay, thank you. Yeah, just one one question for me on the condo conversion as well. Um, in the first paragraph, uh, second sentence says no converted unit may be occupied until an occupancy permit has been issued by the building official. Uh, I was just curious. So you know, in a theoretical, well, um, sometimes it, this this does happen where you've got a rental building that's being converted and opportunities given to the renter to potentially purchase the condominium. How does this work that, you know, legal process is going on, uh, someone's occupying the unit, but then they, they can't occupy it until it's been converted? Uh, I was curious what, how, how this statement is mm -hmm. meant to be interpreted on that, in that sense. That's a good question. Um, I, I guess it doesn't mean to imply that someone has to move out. Um, I think, um, I mean, there, there, are, there are, however, I think um, some relocation provisions and, you know, first right of refusal and things like that. So I guess at some point there may be an implication that it's no longer a rental, your, your lease is terminated. You're given advance notice of, I think, 120 days and, you know, those sorts of things, relocation benefits. but. Um, I don't think anyone's, right. you know, um, going to move out during the work. But I, I'll, I'll look into that. Okay. I'm not totally up to speed on that. Yeah, so just as a follow-up you know, kind of comment or question. Um, technically, a certificate of occupancy is given to a space or a building or, you know, in this case, a residence based on its, you know, it, it, has, it has that CFO, right? Mm -hmm. And then... The building official doesn't necessarily have to be involved, right, with the condo conversion because, in that case, the certificate of occupancy isn't really changing. It's still the CFO still stands as a residential building. It's 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 agnostic to whether it's rental or or for ownership, right? Mm -hmm. In that case, so I I didn't that's where a building that already has a certificate of occupancy as a residential building doesn't need to have a building official come back to 
if, if it gets converted legally. Mm -hmm. I, I see where you're going. It, it may be that this statement is actually unnecessary um, if it is already certified for occupancy. Right. Yeah, yeah, that okay. makes sense. Okay. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, Board Member Teak had some further questions. Go ahead. Yeah, a uh, comment. Uh, Steve, when you add that comment regarding the ministerial state requirements, that actually those decisions are not appealable, uh, as I understand it. So we should be clear if the state's requiring ministerial and our code says it can be appealed, we should say, except as you know, you know, prevented by state law, so that we are very clear that, yes, we have an appeal process, but it doesn't apply to the ones that the state says we have to do ministerially. Yeah, I agree. We'll work that in. Okay, Thank you. great. Thank Thanks. You. Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> I just had some general comments and some questions. Some of them related to questions other board members already brought up. Um, Generally, um, I think the idea of streamlining subdivision map out makes a lot of sense, you know, because so much of the review process is really at the land use entitlement stage, and 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 the subdivision map app kind of comes out of that the project review. So I'm not concerned that by streamlining the subdivision map app, it it you know it kind of eliminates some opportunities for public comment because if the project requires a use permit or some level of public review, that will still happen. Um, I, I agree with the uh, recommendation of Board Member Teak that it, to be consistent to allow the administrative actions or the approvals of the planning director to be uh, called up for review by the planning board as well as uh, appealable by the planning board. So I think uh, that will be consistent with the other uh, approvals that are allowed administratively by the planning director. Um, just some general questions. First, a general question not related to the change in process. Um, sometimes uh, when a tentative map is approved and the final map gets filed, there are some changes. Some of them are kind of not substantive where staff may be able to still make that uh, approval for those modest amendments. I guess the question is for staff, at what level does a significant change in a final map would trigger an amendment to the tentative map that requires going back to the planning board? Yeah, so that's, that's one of the um, points that we worked into the decision table was uh, sort of technical corrections and amendments. And um, mm -hmm. I believe we might have even defined that. Um, but is it defined? Yeah, sorry, I didn't look at the ordinance where you may have defined it. Yeah, so it's 30-82, mm -hmm. page 25 of the attachment, uh, talks about um, after a map is recorded, there are different kinds of corrections and amendments. And then and there's a certificate of correction that can happen where you know it doesn't change the number of lots, number of units, um, it, it you know doesn't uh, do away with open space or other dedications, but it it's just kind of like a mismeasurement or a misdescription or something like that. Uh, and then I think there's another one. Um, what if someone's proposing a change before the final map is recorded? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, just to finish that thought, the final map would have to go back to city council if it's. Um, after the final map. So, so that, that's sort of like that, again, that's their purview because it's, you know, dealing with um, real estate transaction. Um, but then there's, and there's some findings they have to make that it, again, it doesn't change the substance of the tentative map. Um, and then, let's see, the other ones, I'll have to look. Yeah, I was just wondering at at what what threshold might a change to a final map require the tentative map returning to the planning board. Yeah, so minor changes. This is thirty seventy six dot eleven. Minor changes to an approved map, tentative map, may be approved 
by the planning director or city engineer um, if, again, there's no new lots, units, or buildings, it's consistent with the original intent. So it's a little bit discretionary, mm -hmm. but consistent with the original intent. It doesn't violate zoning or something else. So um, it's, again, a correction, not a change okay. kind of thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. that generally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. realize there's some discretion because you can't mm -hmm. describe every situation. Mm -hmm. um, I have a, a question related to the condo conversions, um, mainly talking about an existing rental apartment that converts to ownership condos. Um, I understand there's changes in building code issues that may have to be addressed by the building official when you, you go from rental to ownership housing. The question I have is, are there any other issues that get triggered in the city ordinances such as changes in parking, open space, zoning standards, uh, inclusionary housing requirements, difference between rental and ownership. Does any of that get triggered by a condo conversion? Um, I will have to look again, uh, but I, I don't think so. I think, you know, if it was legally created, I think that's the fundamental baseline is if these units were legally created at the time, as rentals, then they would have what they need. Um, and, and I think there's, again, this sort of plan for- I just, I just didn't, didn't know whether the city might have some, some cities I've worked in, the standards for, for instance, for whatever reason, open space requirements for rental is different from ownership housing. Mm -hmm. So then there's a little bit of a mm -hmm. dilemma there, or, or there might be for whatever reason. You know, different parking standards or some other requirements that get triggered with uh, ownership housing. I just don't know whether um, City of Alameda has any of those changes. Sometimes inclusionary housing requirements are different too. So I don't know when, if they've met the inclusionary housing requirement for rental when they transition to ownership housing, you know, what happens mm -hmm. to the inclusionary requirement. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. I don't think physically there, there are changes to the standards in terms of open space and parking and things like that, but I think, uh, and, or inclusionary, um, but changing from rental to ownership, I'll look into whether that changes how the inclusionary is handled yeah. um, in terms of sales price versus rental price. Right. I think that's, right. that's probably the main distinction that would have to get clarified. Yeah, yeah, then also you're dealing with the kind of second area, the relocation of the affordable, you know, housing households. But, uh, yeah. President Hong, good evening, planning board members. Alan Tai, acting director of planning, building, transportation. So um, the current ordinance actually would require a condo conversion to meet all of today's zoning code. So if it, even if it was an existing residential building, didn't meet parking standards or open space, you would really have to upgrade the building, which explains why we've had zero condo conversions ever since we have this ordinance. So um, the revised ordinance actually references uh, the grandfathering provisions that we have in the AMC, recognizing that, hey, this is an existing building. All we're changing is tenure, and with tenure changes, whether it's rental or or ownership, um, we would require the building to meet uh, health and safety codes under the building code. But other than that, we're not touching parking, we're not touching open space, we're not expecting mm -hmm. the building itself to change other than meeting those health and safety codes. So is that a proposed change then? That is what current? staff is proposing, yes. That's oh, okay. part of the housing element program to allow that to happen. Okay. Okay. But it is also a good point um, that Mr. Buckley raised about looking at the inclusionary ordinance and how that intersects this ordinance. Yeah, I just want to make sure that, you know, if these condo conversions doesn't trigger other issues that might have to be addressed, whether in that subdivision ordinance or in other sections of the city's municipal code. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. thank you. Um, let's see, the other question I had is regarding relocation. Um, my experience that relocation can get very controversial. Um, and I see the section here that seems to allow relocation to essentially be a, seems to be like a ministerial process. Is, does the city have guidelines in place or require 
the developers to submit a relocation plan or um, you know assistance plan for tenants that documents their first right reviews on whatever relocation benefits they may be offered if they don't choose to purchase the property just wondering because that that could get a pre I see that as a potentially touchy political situation I have to admit I'm not uh, f super familiar with Alameda's program yeah but I'll I'll check with the housing yeah, uh, just, staff yeah, I just dealt with a very controversial one that's why I bring it up um, then um, then under 38.6 it has a 60-day of kind of a noticing period for first right of review so that is upon receipt of the public report from the real estate commission um, when when does that report get filed in the process of the condo conversion is it after the condo conversion has been fully approved by the city and and then the state issues the um, final certificate for it or whatever the approval might be. And then that's when the 60 days begin. I'm wondering the time period for when tenants need to exercise your first right of refusal. I will look into that as well. Okay, yeah, thank you. It, it would be good to clarify those requirements to avoid um, down the road or maybe it requires some type of administrative approval process so it's not you know solely administrative mm -hmm. I mean ministerial mm -hmm. yeah and and possibly appealable even um, let's see those were my comments so if there's any other comments from the board members okay no I, so you got all of our notes I saw you writing them down yes. <laughs> feverishly. So if there's no other questions, I guess we, we can close this item and move on to the next agenda item. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much for the presentation. And, it's, it's, and I commend you for updating the subdivision ordinance. You know, sounds like it's been long needed. Well, I, I had a good running start from uh, Mr. Oh, Thomas okay, Richards. okay. No, no, just take total credit for it. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't give Alan any credit. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, moving on to item six, which is staff communications. Uh, 6A, planning, building, and transportation department, recent actions and decisions. Yes, uh, that's included in your packet. Um, and uh, so we're continuing to process the usual uh, staff level uh, use permits and design reviews. Um, I, actually, I think you just have one. No, sorry. Two. You've got uh, 833 Central Avenue and 715 Ensenal. And those could be called for review. Okay. All right. Thank you. And um, the no, if no comments from board members, moving on to item six, six B, which is oh, oh, excuse me, uh, board member Teague. Sorry, missed you. Would you pause for one second, please? Um, sure. I was surprised by the second item when I looked. I thought there was only one, so I just wanted to go see what we posted online. Okay. While you're checking, we can we can get back to item six. No, eight, that's oh. fine. It's all good. It's all good. Okay. All right. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Thanks. So uh, item six B is an oral report on regarding future public meetings, upcoming planning, building, and transportation department projects. Yes, and I just wanted to mention that uh, your next meeting is in two weeks, and we have some agenda items that we'll be bringing to you. We have a, a use permit. Um, and uh, design review for an, a new building um, at 1251 Park uh, next to the Jack in the Box. Uh, the HAB reviewed it for demolition of a pre-1942 building. Um, it's listed on the uh, inventory. Uh, they approved that demolition, and so uh, the project will be coming to you next. And then also um, we have some street names that will be coming to you and uh, annual review of the development agreements. 
Okay. Okay. So now being two weeks. Okay. Great. So uh, next item, item seven. Any board communications? Yes. Any board member Teague. Thank you, President Hong, uh, Vice President Cineros, and fellow board members. On September 5th in 2017, I was narrowly appointed by a 3-2 vote to the planning board, having gone through four months of arduous meetings and interrogations. It was a very emotionally draining period, and I'm glad I stuck it out, despite the personal attacks. Over the past six years, I'm particularly proud of expanding the definition of ADUs to really drive this as an option for many property owners and actually as a model throughout the state. Our revising our zoning to clean up barriers for development and to allow for flexibility to encourage new housing development. The Rosefield Village affordable housing project is definitely one that's near and dear to my heart. I, when I go to India Palace, I see it and I know that I was part of the board that approved and moved that forward. All of the development and all of the time that we did moving on Alameda Point and the Northern Waterfront. And I'm especially proud of what we did with the Alameda Wellness Center. There are other many great projects we've moved forward in conjunction with this amazing planning staff we have, Alan Ty, Andrew Thomas. I don't know you very well yet, Steve. And all of you on the board. Uh, it's with a lot of sadness that tonight is my last night. I'm in contract to sell my house and I will be moving uh, to Sierra City later this year. Um, I won't be leaving Alameda entirely. Uh, amazing thing happened this year. I met someone who's involved with developing and funding large projects, which are good for the community. The one I'm hoping will move forward is a different kind of affordable housing. This is something that I believe strongly in and I've talked with many of you about at different times. And I will be doing what I can to introduce these folks to Alameda and the opportunities that we have available. Thank you all. Well, certainly that is a surprise, uh, Board Member Teague. I've uh, I gotta say, you've been a joy to work with, your knowledge and your insightfulness, uh, level of detail of researching the staff reports and recommendations is really commendable. Um, you're gonna be a big loss on the commission, I mean, on the board. So I obviously wish you the very, very best. Sounds like you have a wonderful opportunity ahead, so it's uh, a loss for the city, but it's good to know that you'll still be involved in another capacity. Um, comment, what members say? President, uh, President Hom, if oh, I may, yeah. I just wanted to note, I think we might have skipped through 6C, the oral communication. Uh, public, I mean, public comment, excuse me. Uh, I didn't see a 6C. Did I just see a, am I, is there was revised agenda? I just see a 6B and 6, 6A and 6B. Oh. Am I? We skip 6B. We, no. Oh. No public comment. I think. Uh, I must have a. We did, we, we, no, we did 6B. We didn't. The oral report. Yeah, we did not. Public comment is after board communications. Yes. Yeah, that's eight. Yeah. Excuse me, I have a, I, I must have an old copy of an agenda. Right? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see, I think we were following up on the um, announcement from board member Teague. So board member Sahiba. Uh, yes, uh, I, again, unexpected um, to hear uh, board member Teague leaving us. Uh, I, I'd like to reiterate a lot of what um, President Hom said here, which is that you'll, you'll definitely be sorely missed. Very much appreciate the level of thoroughness that you brought to every meeting that you attended and um, provided really insightful counsel to the rest of the board and, and the staff. Uh, and I know you spent many hours outside of the, this meeting uh, being prepared and having discussions with, with uh, various folks to, to make sure to bring your most informed um, commentary to, to this meeting. So. Uh, really appreciate your efforts over the years as well, and um, very happy to have served with you. Thank you. Yeah. Good comments, I agree. Uh, board, uh, Vice President Sonaros. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, I uh, unfortunately didn't have too much time uh, sharing um, the the boardmanship <laughs> with you. Um, but I'm really glad that uh, so long ago you fought to be in this position because you've made such a tremendous impact in the community and just echoing my fellow board members that um, you know I've been uh, so honored to work with you and you time and time again demonstrated your preparedness, um, uh, sharing such you know thoughtful um, comments and insights. Um, sharing your passion um and yeah you you've made an impact on the community made an impact on me and um yeah you'll you, you're leaving uh, some big shoes to fill so um yeah just thank you so much for your service and congratulations on this next chapter of your life board member ruiz board member teague um yeah i i heard that your um, house was in contract, so that made me a little nervous, and I didn't know when this was gonna come, but um, um, I was hoping you, you would still find ways to stay on, but um, I'm glad that you continue to be involved with, the, with our city, and I appreciate all the positive impact you have made to our community, as well as uh, to me, and as, uh, um, um, you know, inspire me to be, uh, um, um, do more research in, in the subject at hand and um, continue to model your dedication and thank you for all you have done for us. You will be missed. Yes, yes. Um, yes, I see Community Development Director Tai would like to offer some comments. If I may, President Hom, members of the board. Um, wow, what a surprise. Uh, board Member Teague and former President of the Planning Board, I uh, just on behalf of the staff of the Planning Building Transportation Department, just really thank you for your service on the Planning Board. Uh, this is really a surprise for me. I, I knew that your house was on the market. I, I heard that it was taking some time, um, but yeah, this, this kind of caught me off guard. But uh, Bormertig, you've, you've done a, a lot for the community of Alameda, and you've named just a couple of projects. I mean, there is such a long list of projects that have gone through this planning board um, that you have contributed to, uh, you know, the, just the general plan, right? First update of the general plan in 30 years. Um, us, the first city in the Bay Area to have a certified housing element. I mean, your contributions to those efforts, um, just just uh, hard, hard to describe right now, but I, I, on behalf of the staff, thank you very much, and uh, we wish you the best. And please stay in touch. Yeah, I agree, yeah. I think a board member Teague just made all of our jobs harder <laughs> because we, we depended so much on board member Teague to do the research, you know. But uh, anyway, I wish you the very, very best. You know, you deserve it. Um, Thank you all very much. Okay, with that note, sadly we move on to board communications. Any other board, no one else is resigning, right? <laughs> board commun any other board communications? Okay. Um, and now is an opportunity for any other public comments on non-agenda items. Anyone that wishes to speak for three minutes uh, have the opportunity right now. Um, any speakers, staff? We do have one hand raised, Shelby Sheehan. Okay, all right. You're on, three minutes. Hi, uh, thank you, me again. And um, I just wanna take a short moment to echo um, the rest of the board's um, sentiments for uh, Member Teague and wish him well as, um, as well, and thank him for everything he's done. Um, then I had actually submitted a public comment through the clerk about um, 6A, and we didn't have a public comment at that time. It's about um, work without a permit at my house, or not at my house, I'm sorry, next to my house, that doesn't seem to have a permit, so I can't appeal it. So I don't know what to do except for you know, mention, uh, mention it as part of a, an item here. So may, may I do so at this time? Um, you have your your public comment period, so you're free okay. to comment on. Okay. Okay. So um, it, it's the uh, it's the it's the it's the overflow parking lot I call it that's um, south of the O Club, and it serves as uh, overflow parking for the Oak Club and also parking for Michonne. I believe it's owned by um, the school district, but I tried to find a use permit for it and I could not find one. It, the, uh, I oppose it because 
it has fencing all the way up to the edge of the parcel and fence there's a it, it's not compliant with the historic guidelines which had you know none of it's supposed to be fenced because the intentional design of it was to have these these setbacks uh, the building set back and, and large open space around them and it's also in a residential district and it's for the corporation they're putting up the fence for their corporation yard i believe and that's not a compatible use for what's going on out here so I can't address it though because I don't see any documentation on it. So I'm I'm requesting. I guess I'm requesting an appeal, but I don't know how to do so. And I also need to see the documentation. I've also um, I also uh, emailed uh, Mc, the Ms. McPeak from the base reuse, and I haven't gotten a response back. But I, if the time is ticking on the 10 or 15 days, you know I'd like to make a make it known with the planning department or whoever it needs to be done that that that, that there's some that they, they don't have a use permit out here so I, I i don't know how it can be going on and and i would like to see it and have the opportunity to appeal it and comment on it thank you uh, staff if, is this something you could follow up with the applicant to let them know if there's any appeal opportunities and if there is the deadline yeah thank you thank you for your comments um, any other public speakers? If not, no meeting. more. No more speakers. Okay. If not, the meeting's adjourned at eight ten. Thank you.